I read this week, uh, this couple got married and went to live in a nice neighborhood. The wife started decorating their home, and, uh, and she had a lot of money. So she started telling the husband, you see that beautiful couch, honey? It's because we have, I have a lot of money, and it's beautiful. The husband, okay, whatever. Then she, the next day, the husband comes from work, and look at that, those uh, curtains that I bought, and look at the kitchen that we painted, and, and the countertops and all that. You know, it was very expensive, but you know, we could have not done that without my money. The husband, whatever, okay. And so then uh, the next day she comes, he comes back from work and say, you see this beautiful home and this beautiful furniture? You know that without my money we could, sur we could be surrounded with such nice things. And the husband again, you know, kind of whatever. So then they went to Hawaii on a vacation. And they're in the ship looking at uh, the beautiful things, beautiful uh, sightseeing. And they're looking at it. And, and the wife goes, oh, this is a nice vacation. You know that we could not be affording this vacation if it was not for my money. The husband headed up to here. And he goes, you know what, honey? I love you so much. I don't want to hurt your feelings. But I want you to know that without your money, I would not be here either. So for sure, I hope that you guys are not here for the money because there's no money. I mean, you know, uh, we are here because God brought us here today. God brought us here to hear his word, to see what he has for us today. And this is amazing how God works. But, you know, we want this church to be a Christ-centered church. Not centered on us or on Joe or on me or anybody, but center of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? The scripture that we're going to be looking at is in uh, Mark chapter 6, verse 30 and to 43. But first, before we, if you want to open your Bibles and, and, and start, you know, checking that scripture. And, uh, but first, I would like to quote the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul said this, For I have resolved, or others, other translations say, determined, to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much for today. Thank you because you're awesome and amazing. And thank you for allowing us to be here to honor you and to glorify you. God, that the words today, your word, will pierce our heart and we pay attention to what you have for us. We ask you, God, to, be, to, to make sure that this church... New Life Christian Church, be centered only on your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in His name we pray. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. You know, what Paul was talking about, uh, of, a, of a church that is everything centered in the Lord, Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what I'm going to be talking about today. The purpose of the church is a great purpose. It's actually the only purpose. And I want to show you from Mark chapter 6 what it means to be a Christ-centered church. And this is the story of the feeding of the 5,000. The miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. You read this story before. 
And you know, that story is recorded in all four Gospels. And to me, that is very important. Because if it is recorded in the four Gospels, it's a story, it's a, it's a miracle that we want to talk about. But out of this story, I want to illustrate what a Christ-centered church is. If a church wants to be a Christ-centered church, there are three things that come out of that passage. There are three words that I want you to make sure you pay attention. Unity, compassion, and activity. There in your programs, you have the notes. So you can stay awake making notes, making sure you get all the, the, the blanks, you know, and write them down. And, and, and I, I tell people, you know, make notes because you can go back to that passage and say, oh, I remember I learned this. Or, or you can use it for devotional. Or I'm going to make sure that you write it down. So it's a homework. I'm just kidding. No. The first point that we're going to be talking about is that Jesus is the center of our assembly and the key to our unity. Look at Mark chapter 6, verse 30. Verse 30, it says, The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. They gather around Jesus. Did you catch that? The, disciple, the disciples have been in a preaching tour. They went all around little towns and preaching about the word of God. And then they came to Jesus to report to him everything that they preached and taught. So he became the reason of they coming together. They focused on him. They gathered around him. He glued them together. He was the key to their unity. And that's what I mean when I say that he must become the center of our assembly. He is the one that glues us together and brings unity. Unity. You know that Jesus is very concerned of the unity of the body. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3 to 6, it says, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So unity is very important. It says make every effort for, for unity. Fight for unity. Don't give it up easy. Actually, Jesus prayed uh, for the message of the, of the apostles that they be one just as he is one with the Father. So we need to be one in spirit, one in truth. The bond of peace. And God loves unity. See, um, it reminds me of a story of a man that he was at his kitchen washing dishes after dinner. And he had a window right there and he could see the tree with a bird feeder there. And so he's washing his dishes and he saw a blue jay coming down and, and start eating the, 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 the seeds, you know, that he had in the bird feeder. And, and so then a little um, sparrow came down and the blue jay scared him away. A few seconds later, again, the sparrow came down, and the blue jay scared him again. Then the man, as he was washing dishes, he looked at, up at the tree, and there were like 50 or 100 sparrows. And he thought, thought to himself, you dumb sparrows, if you get together, you can beat the feathers out of that blue jay. You see, unity is important. If those sparrows would have stayed united, they could have scared the blue jay. 
So when we are disjoint, if there's no unity of the Lord's body, the evil one, Satan, defeat us. So unity is very, very important. There's a book, Your Church Has Great Possibilities by Robert Schuller from the Christian Cathedral in California. And as this, in this book, he says that in, in, in his first ministry, they were having a lot of problems. There were a lot of issues going on in the church. And, and he was losing control of it. Everything seemed to go wrong. And it was ge- getting worse by the day. So he said that one day he fell on his knees and prayed to God saying, God, I can't take it anymore. I don't know what to do. I can't do this by myself. I need your help. I don't want this to be Robert Schuller's church. I want this to be your church. So he left for a couple weeks to have a sabbatical and pray more. And when he came back, he said that all of a sudden he felt like everything was running smooth and everything was going great. Uh, and then every time the, 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 the elders got together, it was, the, the meeting was going awesome. Uh, the, when the board got together to make decisions, they also put an empty chair symbolizing that Jesus was right there with them. He was the chairman of every meeting. And the point is that they live in a sense that Jesus presence as the center of their assembly. Whether it was a Bible study, a Sunday school, or daily lives, they were being taught that Jesus to be the center of everything that they did. And what a beautiful illustration to really live our lives with Jesus as our center. You know, I want my family to have Jesus as their center. You know, because I, if I do that, I know, like Deuteronomy chapter 6 says, 6 says, you know, teach your children when you're walking, when you're there laying down, when you're driving. You know, well, it doesn't say that you're driving, right? But, but, but the point is that we need to be teaching our kids about Jesus in every opportunity we, we have. So Jesus being the center of their assembly. Point number two that we're going to be talking about is that Jesus is the center of our attitude and the heart of our compassion. Read right there in Mark chapter 6, 31 to 34, it says, Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran out on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. So when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. So you see, if that part of uh, of the scripture says that Jesus suggested them to have a little break. Obviously the apostles then oppose a little vacation. You know, they've been working the whole time, serving of all this multitude of people that Jesus was drawing to him. And so when they arrived, they saw thousands of people. The apostles probably, in their human thinking, they were saying, oh man, this is great. Here we go again. 
I thought that we were going to have some vacation. But they didn't. Because Jesus started ministering to those people. I don't know what they were really thinking. But it seems like their human thought came to them. But Jesus didn't have that thought. Because it says the scriptures that he saw them and he felt what? Compassion. He felt compassion like sheep without a shepherd. And it was... And he was a true pastor, and he began, started to teach them. I think that's why people came to Jesus, because he cared for them. He loved them. Even though did you realize that those people were coming from far places, all sweaty, all dirty, all hungry, but they wanted to be around Jesus. Because he loved them. And you know, that's a key for a Christ-centered church. To have that kind of compassion for people. Anybody that comes into these doors, we, sh- we need to show them love. We need to show them compassion. Why? Because that's going to draw them to us, but most of all, to Jesus. The compassion. You know, as I said a couple times or several people, I was raised in Mexico in an orphanage home. And uh, my parents were Americans, missionaries in Mexico, and they started an orphanage. And they raised 40 kids. So my parents, Jack and Vicky Yarnell, uh, even though they were not my biological parents, they were there for us. And uh, I remember when I turned 18, uh, I... I was a rebel, <laughs> and I left home. I was mad at life. I was angry, and and so I left left the house at 18, and I left home for two years. Or two years, I didn't communicate with my mom and dad. They didn't know where I was. They didn't know if I was dead or alive. They didn't know anything. But you know what? I came to my senses, and I started thinking about the love and the compassion that they show me. And so, two years later, I came back. Uh, have you read the story of the prodigal son? Yeah? Well, you know, his story is kind of like my story. Uh, the only difference is that he had money. I had nothing. And so, so I came back to mom and dad, and I, I, I just apologized. And I said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for for not communicating. I'm sorry for being ungrateful. And so, um, after those two years, you know, I realized that they loved me. But I didn't know how much until after I say, I'm sorry, their response was this. Mario, you are our, you are our son. God brought you to us and we love you so much that no matter, no matter all your flaws, your mistakes, your defects, no matter what you do, our love, our love for you will never change. I felt the love of Jesus in that moment. Because how in the world these people that were not even my biological parents can give me that love? It's only because of Jesus. And now my kids, 
they have a grandma and grandpa. Thanksgiving, we go there. Christmas, we go there. And they're my mom and dad. See, they show me the care and the compassion. There's a lot of truth in this. There are a lot of people all around us that they have all kinds of glitches around them. Personality defects. Actually, probably you saw some of you, some of your family members that you don't want to be around this week. But they were there. And sometimes we don't want to be with them because there's sin in their lives or they have a lot of problems. And we don't feel like caring or loving them, let alone to be around them. But if we have the compassion of Jesus and we see people like sheep without a shepherd and feel that compassion, they're going to be drawn to us. And they're going to be drawn to Jesus. They will be, we could be the only Jesus that they will ever know. And we can tell them we love you. We really care. Regardless of what, who you are and what you do. And they will love us back. And then they will love the church. And they're going to love Jesus. And they're going to feel accepted. They're going to have friends. And that's what's people, what people are looking nowadays is friends, is relationships. How about if we show them the relationship with Jesus? Let's look at the passage. It says, it says that the, when they saw them, he had compassion on them. And he taught them. Did you see this? The teaching came out of love. There are some churches that have a little compassion, but a lot of teaching. Or some that have a lot of compassion, but little teaching. And there must be a balance. And when people see that we really care for them, they will listen for what we have to say. Pretty much just think about Jesus. How did he approach people? He served them. He healed them. If a hungry person is there and you tell him, oh, I'll be praying for you, but you don't do nothing for him. He's going to say, well, thank you for your prayers, you know. But if we show them the love and the compassion like Jesus, they're going to see Jesus in you. When Jesus becomes the center of our attitude, he becomes the heart of our compassion. And lives are going to be changed. People are going to come. Buildings are going to be filled up. The gospel is going to be preached. And souls are going to be won. And that's our business, the souls that we can win for Jesus. And there's another thing. Jesus, the center of our activity and the source of our power. You know, when I was, when Joe told me that I was going to preach today, my, sh- my, my legs started shaking. Just kidding. But, uh, but I was praying, God, what can I talk to these people that I don't really know yet? What can I tell them? And, and the God put this message in my heart. And I know the potential and the wonderful, wonderful blessings that God has given this church. And we need to share these blessings to draw people to Christ. It's not about us. It's about making Christ the center, the center of everything that we do. 
making him the source of our power. Because this is the body of Christ. It's not like the world. We have the Holy Spirit with us. And there's power that is available to the body of Christ. Power to make changes. Power to do the impossible possible. The only thing you need to do is ask God. The only thing that we need to do is ask Jesus. The Bible says that, tell, to, that we can tell him the desires that are in our heart. Talk to Jesus. How much do you talk to Jesus? So, making him the center of our power. In a power-driven church through the Holy Spirit. You know, I'm not going to continue reading the passage. You can read it at home. It's a very awesome passage. But it says that the disciples came to Jesus asking him to tell the people to go away. So they could go to eat something. And they made a big mistake. Did you catch the mistake? Because when they came to Jesus, they already make up their minds and they just told Jesus what he needed to do. They failed to bring Jesus into their problem to see what he wanted to do. And churches by thousands, even us, we do what we want to do and we don't ask Jesus to guide us. Isn't that what happens? We don't bring Jesus into our problem. And we think about what we can do and we cannot do. We make decisions, decisions on, on the basis of our own strength. And churches and individuals need to learn the power of prayer for the solution of their problems. I don't know if you ever prayed a, a prayer that was like so deep in your heart. But if you haven't, I challenge you to do that. We sometimes say we can't do that. It won't work. It is impossible. And I want you to know one thing today. Everything is possible when Jesus is on your side. Everything is possible. And so I want you to know that today in your heart, you know that there's a lot of things going on with your family, with your neighbors, with yourself. And I challenge you to bring Jesus into your problem. Invite him in. Let him know. He wants to hear from you. And uh, one of my teachers, my mentor, he said that one of his first ministries the church was having a lot of economic problems. They were not getting the budget as they needed it. And so they started getting on debt, on debt, on debt. And so one day they got together. They prayed really hard and said, God, we don't want to close the doors to your church. But if you want us to do it, okay, it's fine. But they prayed really hard uh, for hours. And he said that when they finished, he told one of the young pastors, he said, today, go mark in your calendar this day, calendar this day, because this day is when the church is going to turn around and do amazing things. Within a week, they paid their bills. They had $7,000 in the bank. 
they paid what they owned. You see, but what was the difference? The difference was that they brought Jesus as the center of their activity. He became the source of their power. In the passage, Jesus said, give them something to eat. Well, all that we have is two loaves and five fish. Little for all the people. But we know that in the hands of Jesus, little is a lot. Jesus took the little food they had. He blessed it. They began to pass the food to the groups of 50 or 100 as they were seated. And they pick up 12 baskets full of leftovers. You see, everything that they did was ordinary except for one thing. They didn't say, open your mouths and food is going to come from heaven and, you know, you catch it. No. They passed the food as, as normal people and they, they started just uh, giving it to, to, to the people sitting down. And they collected 12 baskets full of leftovers. The extraordinary thing that happened it was that it was Jesus' blessing. Jesus blessed it. And all over this nation right now, there are services being held on Saturday. And tomorrow they're going to be, you know, worshiping and Bible studies and women's meetings, Bible classes. And all those churches are dynamic and active. They are growing. People are being saved. Souls are being won. Marriages are being restored. People are being healed. But there are other churches that are closing their doors. And they are doing exactly the same thing. But what is the difference? The difference is that the Lord's blessing. Because we know that when the Lord blesses the church, powerful things can happen. Even in our life, powerful things can happen. And honestly, I don't think that this happens until God's people get in their knees and their faces and start praying to God. And we say, God, we need you. We need your power. We want your power. And you know, this applies to our own lives. I can tell you as my testimony that God makes miracles. And you have lived one. You are one of those. He knows you since you were created. The Bible says, believe in God's mighty hand and he will lift you up. And I believe that. Do you believe that? Amen. He will lift you up. A Christ-centered church. What a wonderful purpose. He becomes the center of our assembly, our attitude and activity, being united with love and compassion for people and for one another. You know, the Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins. And I'm happy about that because I need a lot of forgiveness. And I have a lot of faults. And I want you to love me. And I want to love you. And you have faults in your, faults, uh, you have faults in your life that you wish you didn't have. And you want people to love you anyway. Love draws people into you. Love draws people together. I want the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. And I want this for New Life Christian Church. See, what are you passionate about? If you're passionate about Jesus, 
I guarantee you that you're going to do amazing things. When we are consumed with a great purpose, we must continue on. And that great purpose is Christ in us. The hope of glory. The key to our unity. The center of our activity and attitude. He is the source of our power. And so this evening as we sing, just think about that. You have a great friend. It reminds me of this song, Oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. You remember that song? It's an amazing song. And he has the power to give you life. He has the power to give you hope. And he has the power to forgive your sins.